Hey everyone, this is Ashley, producer of the Opstars podcast. Today we're bringing you a special episode featuring a live session recorded at Opstars 2023 in San Francisco. Enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome. Uh, I'm personally really excited for this session. Uh, I know AI has been talked a lot about at Dreamforce, but for two reasons. So one, I'll let uh, Karen and uh, Craig introduce themselves, but they're going to bring an interesting perspective because they'll have both an ops perspective and a VC perspective, which is that are unique. And two, uh, this piece is changing so quickly. Uh, and the nice thing I like about both of these is we've been talking to, uh, they've had dinners and other stuff. So they're going to give you kind of the no BS version of uh, what to talk about AI. So we're going to, uh, we're going to actually keep it real versus uh, some of the fluff that I think I was going on in a lot of these sessions. So, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there we go. So maybe there's a starting point just to set context. Uh, if you want to start, Karen, just kind of give you your background, your perspective, and where you're coming uh, from. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Karen Singh. I'm a partner at Sapphire Ventures. Um, I run our, our our revenue excellence function. So it's most VCs have this. They have their what I call hundred pound brands on one end, the investors. But on the other end, they have value add services teams, really trying to give a little bit more to the companies that they invest in. I'm part of that. And again, I effectively manage and curate our overall go-to-market community, best practices, how-tos, guides, trends, things to that effect. Before Sapphire, and I've been here for right around two years, I was a go-to-market strategy and ops leader for large B2B companies. So prior to this, Procore. Cloudera and ArcSight, all three of those, I was lucky. They all went through pretty significant scale, a public event, and I got to see all the, what I call the pain and suffering associated, but all the goodness and the learnings from, and I do, I get to apply the same to our, our portfolio as we continue to try to add value there. So excited to talk about the topic. How are you, Craig? Uh, wow. Hold on. Does it sound like me? Is someone playing with me? Hold on a sec. Okay, cool. Uh, so, back is laughing. Look at him. I know, but dude, why I came on, it sounded like it was like to tick helium in or whatever. Uh, so, um, I'm the chief platform officer at scale venture partners. So similar to Kern, um, you know, once the investment is made, then my team advises the portfolio across their marketing sales, development, sales, CS, you name it, go to market before that. I was uh, at Gartner for three years because my previous company was Topo, um, which was around for about seven or eight years. And so if you, you know, I've been at scale for a year or so, but I spent 12 years as a sales tech, marketing tech analyst, as Evan knows, because we talked, we've been talking for years on tech. So anyway, um, you know, I advise companies on making good decisions, but I'm also like, a walk when it comes to sales and marketing tech, not when it comes to AI. So we're working on that. <laughs> and actually that leads to our, our first question is I, I promised people we'd keep it real. So AI is changing so quickly. Uh, who knows what Salesforce has announced in the last couple of hours. So on a scale, right? How knowledgeable do you guys put yourselves each within AI? I think you're more knowledgeable than most, but how knowledgeable do you feel? Well, you know, I got to tell you this. I thought of this on the way down, which you, you, stay with me because you might think this story is weird. But uh, I don't know if you guys know Dave Brock. He's like a pretty famous sales consultant. And I once asked him for the hardest project he ever did. And he was in somewhere, uh, I think it was, it was somewhere in Africa where the inflation was soaring by the minute. And he's like, a quote 
would last for two hours because the money was changing. He's like, so I had to figure out how to help Xerox uh, with a two hour lifespan of a quote. And so when I think about AI, I've got like a 24 hour lifespan of my knowledge, right? Even just walking down the hall, I just met some guy and he's like, yeah, well, I said, oh, how long, how you been doing? He's like, oh, well, we launched today. It's like every, you know, there's so much happening. So I'd give my, on a scale of what? Huh? What scale should I give myself? 10? One to 10, yeah. Okay. So um, I think I'm a, a humble six and a half and um, I'm learning every time, like even this morning when we were doing the thing, like just the way everyone was asking questions. I, mean, I felt like we were learning, you know, as we just, every conversation we're having. So I'm going to give myself a six and a half. Otherwise you guys would be like, why the hell is that guy up there? <laughs> but otherwise, like, I mean, we have to be really humble here because we're just all, it's, we're learning every second, right? So. Kind of feels insincere if somebody comes up here and says like, I know everything and anything about AI, right? Um, I'll tell you, I, um, I'm probably not that far off of Craig, maybe right around the same. Um, I feel like I blinked and then generative AI was a thing, right? And it became super, super prominent. And then I blinked again and everybody's looking around saying, who's the expert? Like, okay. And then all of a sudden we blink again and Craig and I are on stage here. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of one of those things where there's an appetite and an interest to have more and more learnings on the same, which I love, which is part of the reason why we're here. What I can tell you, I'm, I'm probably in the same boat, six and a half. I'm going to go seven because I want to just one up Craig a little bit. Um, but I'm kidding. Uh, but what I would say, which I think Craig and I have the privilege to do, because we're not in seat operating the same way anymore as I do when we do, we get to talk with a bunch of generative AI companies. We get to talk with founders that know a thing or two about the same. We get to host dinners that bring people together and go to market and ask them, like, what are you actually solving for? And our job is not simple, but it's clear, which is how do we connect the dots on all those different pieces? So for me, I don't know if I'd call myself an expert as much as somebody who can kind of share the learnings that we've been able to garner. And you're right, it's 24 hours and this stuff changes. So take everything we say and build upon it and then come back to us and let us know so we can remain on these panels as well. But uh, I'll give it the same six and a half, um, something along those lines. Wait, I have a perfect example of that was when, so Kern and I were leading up, we're doing, we're educating ourselves, we're doing all these calls and we get on and Kern and I are okay. Okay, so like step one, we got to get sales reps to, you know, use Gen AI to create their messages. And the guy's like, Craig, that's already table stakes. We're trying to think about now workflows and other things on top of that. And we're, and we're like, okay, all right, this thing is moving fast. It's not that we didn't know, but you know what I mean? Like the, it spread like wildfire. And now it's like every, it's just every, you know, we're just, we're innovating like crazy. So it's just amazing. By the way, the, the funny thing, I'll just say this one last thing. So I was, I was at Cloudera years and years ago. It was a data warehousing machine learning company. So Snowflake and Confluent and Databricks before. We, we were talking about this stuff then, right? Like this is coming, this is coming. That's only a matter of time. Nobody quite knew how we were going to get there. There was a bunch of different routes too and all that. So like. This is not a surprise by any means, but yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's moved so fast. It feels like all the infrastructure was built in the years past. We set ourselves in a position where we could do some of the things we're doing with Gen AI and then bam, it's going so fast from there. So for me personally, it's just really exciting to see. And uh, again, I like that I get to be steeped in it at this point. So things are changing so fast and we can't really trust the experts, right? Uh, wh uh, how, how do we, how do people experiment, learn, what advice do you have or 
for folks who are uh, the audience who want to just kind of get up to speed. Is Gottlieb in here? Is that a on Dan Gottlieb? No, okay, he's not here. All right, good. By the way, Kurt, we spent 14 minutes on our intros. That's uh shoot. Yeah, we did. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know, Evan, that there's a great answer, right? Because I, I think that's part of the thing, like Kern and I were, have been talking about how, uh, you know, well, first of all, we're in this interesting time, which Gen AI is drawing everyone to say, well, what is Gen AI and what should I know about it? And it's changing the way that we're like our boundaries of what we think we can go do. But generally speaking, you're still going to attack sales tech purchases based on a use case. And a use case that has, you know, a material effect on your revenue. And so it's like the same rules. We talked about this this morning. It's like I, the same rules I've been telling people for years, which is, can we look at the life cycle of a customer? Can we look at it from, you know, what, you know, what their feel, you know, what the sales process looks like and what the seller experience looks like and what the infrastructure and operational experience looks like. And then we'll find holes where we need to fill it. And from there, now you've at least narrowed down from looking at a million AI or gen AI or whatever it is, things that you're looking for, and you're looking for a particular use case. Now, finding that is what you're asking, which is like, it's very hard to, since Topo has been gone, it's been very hard to find these things. Uh, and so, but, uh, you know, I don't have, that's what I was saying. I don't have a great answer on that. And maybe Kern does, but I will say what I tell everyone is this is the most fun time to experiment I've ever seen. Because A, you can experiment. Because we used to tell people to experiment, it was a pain in the butt, right? Because you had all this uh, stuff that you had to go do. And number two is, uh, there's just really cool things happening. So, you know, I'm just sort of jumping ahead. It doesn't tell you where to figure out who to go talk to, although I think most people here are going to their peers and collecting things. And we'll see more and more as, you know, people go out there and uh, actually at the after this, once the dust settles, we'll have, you know, basically some more categorization of what's happening. So I don't think that's easy, but I do think you should actually extend whatever it is you looked at before and do five to seven in the experiment phase. I like that. Yeah. I, and I'll just add to what Craig said, because I think it's right. Experiment and experimentation is the key here. It, patterns are always interesting to me when I go out to the community and have asked the questions that we are now asking each other about Gen AI is, what I observed, and we were at a dinner, um, and we had companies at $20 million a run rate, $50 million, $100 million, and all the way up to a uh, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 company as well in the room. Interestingly enough, they all said the same thing about how they're approaching Gen AI, which is that, look, we got to give it to the masses, give some autonomy to the teams. It can't be this, like, overly bureaucratic, centralized decision about what we're going to use because we don't know yet, right? What should be and would be ideal. And so even the Fortune 100 companies sitting there saying, hey, we decentralize this. Everybody has authority and autonomy to go and explore and experiment. Then you go to the $20 million company, they're saying effectively the same thing. The $100 million company is saying the same thing. So that would be my main sort of advocacy and guidance to the folks here is that, yeah, experimentation is key. Note that it has to be in the hands of your really your users, your consumers, and they have to be able to test try. We see a lot of these Gen AI companies also have kind of a PLG tilt to them. That's not unintentional. They want to make it easier, right? They're meeting their customers where they are. To me, that helps too. So hopefully the form factor that's being used and the approach that these companies are using helps. And then on the other side, if you allow for that within your organization, you will find the answers from the groundswell. And then 
go forward with the centralization from there. But by the way, Evan, I was, you know, I've been thinking about in the near term, like, right, you know, because you, you're from Venture 2, where like you, they create these pods and they, they take on tech categories and the three or four people will go and research the market. And, you know, I saw that a bit when I was at Gartner working with bigger operational teams. They, because it's fun to go look up tech, they created these like little pods where they'd say, hey, you know, you're, you know, you go look at Gen AI and come back and tell us about the market. And um, by the way, let's not pretend, like I love when people will say to me, well, they don't have time. It's just not, it's just not true. They do because they like to do it. And if they don't, they may not be good for operations, but like, you know, you could have some fun doing this because right now it is hard, right? It's like the, you know, trying to figure out who's who and what's what you're doing old school stuff, going to Google, asking people, going to message boards, all those things. But if you can have fun with it and put together you know, groups to go look at it together. You can bring in guest speakers, all of those things. Right now we have to educate really fast and you got to want to do it. And I think, honestly, I think most people do, you know, I think they do. Yeah. By the way, VCs are taking that responsibility on, which I think is great, right? We want to add value. Well, this is a great way to add value. So, I mean, we run dinners on the topic. We brought in experts on the topic. We're doing round tables. And we all come in humble and vulnerable that like, we don't know, but we're going to bring the right people in the room and start facilitating a conversation. And oh, by the way, make sure that you folks all get to talk afterwards too. So if you are, if you have these VCs on your cap table, go and explore, see if any of them are doing this too, because they would be delighted to have their, their portfolio sort of engage in that capacity as well. You know, what we got to do, I'm going to put this offer out to everyone here. I'm going to have a contest for uh, revenue AI, we'll call it, uh, frameworks. Anybody can submit a framework and whoever wins, uh, Evan will think of something that he'll buy them, right? <laughs> I forgot to tell him. No, but we should do that. Like we should have, you know, these folks, because right now everyone's, you know, basically we're going to get to learn a lot from the all the folks in this audience who have to basically, because there isn't a ton of frameworks, put together their framework for AI and their, and their revenue op stack. And so anyway... Stay tuned for that. We'll have a contest. It'll be amazing. This dude loves frameworks. I do love frameworks, but look, I mean, I'm going to learn a lot and I love contests. Contests are cool. <laughs> so we can have people present. It'll be like, you know, American Idol, you get like 10 minutes, go through your framework. We'll see if people like it or don't like it. We'll Actually, there. this is a good one. Uh, just it spurred an idea or, or something I remembered. One of our portfolio companies did a AI hackathon recently which uh, actually they brought in my, they're, they're, they brought in a bunch of VCs and others to sort of react and respond to it too. That might be an interesting one if you're looking in, internally as well. Can you bring your teams together, marketing, sales, product, otherwise, and maybe explore some of those things too. Start from within. Mine will be funner, more fun. It's but, probably no, you can do that one too. Yeah. Uh, since we have a lot of RevOps folks in the audience, uh, how should they, should they fear AI? I asked this in a keynote, should they fear it to replace their jobs, augment? How, do, how should they think about that? You got to tell them. We're thinking about this. In the yeah, I, I mean, I know. So this not, I mean, hopefully that's not a controversial statement, right? AI is not going to eat the world. And we always hear about like, oh, you know, people won't use AI or use AI will replace the ones that don't. And I think some of that, there's truth behind that as well. I, you know, I kind of spoke about this this morning and I, I think it's a really important way to sort of quantify this. What the, the big takeaway I've gotten when I have conversations with people about AI is that what it's going to do is allow more space for your rev ops teams to focus on creativity. Right. So 
I did this at Procore. I thought it was a really interesting exercise. We always had the same thing coming up across revenue, not just RevOps, which was that, man, current, we have way too much work and too few resources. Tell me who hasn't heard that in their respective teams as well, right? And normally the answer was, or we'd say, hey, okay, we got to throw more bodies at the problem, that sort of thing. By the way, that's really hurt us from an efficiency standpoint, which by the way, you get marked on even more nowadays than ever before, certainly in the public markets, right? So instead of just throwing more bodies at the problem, what we did was we did a capacity analysis and said, look, there's probably four categories of work most people do. It's an oversimplification, but I think it's accurate. There's corporate objectives, think OKRs, things to that effect. Or there's department objectives. Hey, I'm just going to focus on a key initiative for revenue. We're going to run value realization training. There's run the business work. I got a weekly report I got to send out. And then there's keep the lights on work, which is if your website breaks tomorrow, you're not in business the same way, right? And when we categorized everything we did in those four categories, guess what came up the most? Our company, that company was over-rotated to, and by the way, I've seen this elsewhere as well, to running the business. Arguably, the repetitive work, the work that, you know, perhaps generative AI can take on and support you with, if we imagine 100% sales org or revenue ops org, and 20% of their time is spent on running the business, what happens if you bring it down to 10? Well, then you effectively gain 10 FTEs worth of capacity, right? That's helpful. Take some of the pressure off the system. Or if you have enough quote-unquote capacity, it gives them space to train and develop, gives them space to be creative. So to me, it's not like, oh, this thing's going to eat the world. This thing's going to take down a rev operator. I think we all viscerally have felt this. It's hard being in rev ops. There's way too much to do, and we're being asked to do more with less. It's a pretty arbitrary statement in my mind, or generic statement, right? This, to me, might be one of the ways we can actually quantifiably make a transformation there, and again, up-level us, right? Because now we get to be strategists and partners, not order takers, right? Uh, so I'm passionate about it. I think it's going to be hugely valuable. Yes. Huh? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that, that's, it's, there's... Because, you know, it's such a fine line when people talk about replacing people. It's not, it's going to replace the stupid work in RevOps that they have to do. It's ridiculous. These are like very talented people, RevOps, right? We got typically a mix of like analytics, people that are strategic, could be strategic. There's RevOps people that literally run the sales org. They fire the CRO, they bring in the next one, they hit the numbers like, wow, guys, I mean, geez, like. I wonder what the thing that we carried over was, right? It's a rev ops. Or, so like, it's just great. But then it's like you said, I mean, we're just like, there's all this, you know, ridiculousness that they have to do. And then we got to just that, like, everyone's like, well, how's it going to change work over the next two years? If we're doing this right, let's get all that stuff out over the next two years. It's, by the way, it's not all AI, right? I mean, it's literally, you know, there's just, a, but, but, but AI will have a lot to do with that, but that's how we should think about it is um, over the next two years, let's get RevOps to the strategic part of their job because it's hard. I mean, shoot, this morning we were talking about how you don't have time to be strategic and the moderator's like, yeah, like last night at 11 when I was asked to give reports to VP of sales. It's like, you know, I mean, if, and, and so that's how I think we should think about AI. I actually, now that I've been digging in with Kern on this stuff, I actually think it's more, it's because it, we focus a lot on the engagement side of the, of the AI equation. But I'm actually getting more and more excited about the operational and infrastructure side of this because that will turn our the people that we have into RevOps to let them do what they're supposed to be doing. You guys are supposed to, you're all RevOps, right? You're supposed to clap and then carry me out on the 
on, on this, right? Because it's true, you know? So rather than just asking for simple answers, what are the smart questions people should be asking when they're looking at an AI vendor or trying to evaluate someone? Does it work? Uh, so, well, no, I, so I, I don't, um, so I think I would just take a little, I, I'm for the sake of, I, I don't want to sound too repetitive, but like we, the most important thing is, is what we've been doing all along, like a smart revenue ops person has been doing all along, which is to take a use case and understand their requirements there. The interesting thing is that AI does stretch the boundaries of what you thought you could do, right? So, we, you know, we have to take that into account. But, uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, for me, I don't think um, every, I, I think the solid sort of traditional way that things that we've learned from IT on how to buy tech um, is actually still relevant. And um, I think if we get too crazy here, uh, then we're going to miss stuff. So like, for example, I, you know, I, I've been listening to a lot of sales calls again. And, you know, when you get down the AI conversation side on a sales call, you actually miss out on figuring out if it's going to work for you. And the first thing you got to do is make sure that your use case can be solved here. And, oh, by the way, it can be solved better by AI. That's how we have to be thinking about it. So that, that's, re it's new, it's a little nuanced, but it's like really important there. And it's old school. It's not new. Now, in terms of like new vendors and AI, like you just, in my opinion, I just tell me, you just have to be able to see it in action. You have to be able to test it. It's just, I mean, I, I've been watching people get suckered and buying software for 30 years, right? It's all my gray hair and that, now you don't have to, and you should demand it, you know? So, I mean, uh, no notes. That's oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think that's right. I mean, look, the easy answers are things like, you know, was the security posture right? And, you know, how is it used, use case, et cetera. I mean, to me, you could probably rattle off a few of these, but how are they any different than how we've been exploring technologies previously? There's, by the way, I see the spectrum as well, right? There's some companies, some leaders all say, I'll just buy anything and everything and let's go pour it. There's some that are a little bit more regimented and, you know, sometimes there's too much bureaucracy on there. I think the, the magic is somewhere in the middle there. Those leaders are always asking, like, is this actually going to drive revenue? Is this actually going to make a, pro a difference in revenue productivity? Is this actually going to make a difference in XYZ KPI? Great. You can solve the real business problem. Everything else sort of is just the same rigmarole in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's elevated a little bit differently. The only other thing I would tell you is that, um, and I say this somewhat affectionately because I came from this world. I, when I started, I was a systems architect, effectively. I was the one building and cobbling together Salesforce lean data, a bunch of other stuff. Um, that profile of operator started to become like a third class citizen in my mind, because it became very much like they're the per shiny purple button operator, that tactician that can just update that validation rule or that field in or that plug in and, and, and those kind of need to get back and get another seat at the table, right? They need to get back up there. And by the way, I think that's healthy because I think it's an over rotation there too. Those are some of the smartest individuals. Uh, maybe outside of me, some of the smartest individuals that have been driving a lot of the strategy by being able to cobble this stuff together well. So just maybe there's a little bit more there in terms of prioritization of that type of role. But I also believe, and we talked about this earlier, that all RevOps roles will need to have a little bit of a technology lilt, right, against them. Even if you're in strategy or planning or enablement, it's kind of like 
five years ago, it was like, everything is art, not science, or 10 years ago, or whatever it was. Enablement was a good example of that. Now I can't get through an enablement conversation without talking about 10 KPIs that matter, right? So analytics and KPIs became a first-class citizen and everybody needed to have it. Same thing now on the technology side. I think it just becomes highly relevant for every operator. The, uh, only a few seconds left. So for either one of you, for one of you, uh, either one future prediction or one thing you think is too hyped up. You can pick. Uh, hyped yeah, up. Is this being filmed? Uh, well, um, I would say, let's see. I'm not, a, I'm not longer in the prediction game, but I do have one lingering from Gardner, which I really need you guys. If you could just kill the inbound SDR, then my prediction will come true. We can talk about it later. Uh, not kill. You know what I mean? Like eliminate and do something else. Yeah. Elevate. Thank you. Um, uh, so, but I, I think that, um, the, the key over the next couple months is frankly, um, I think what people should do is over the, every two months you should make some productivity gain for your salespeople. That's it. And just choose one. If it's AI, great. Cause you know, like, I mean, you could use lean data, right. And it would just, it solves a ton of people's problems. It could be an AI thing, but whatever. I, that's my thing. I'm just going to go with a tip, which is like, lay it out there. Every two months, we're going to make something better. Well, great. Well, I, we were we did run over time, but I wanted to thank uh, Kieran and uh, Craig for coming on board. Thank you. Um, thank you. It's good. Did you want to take any questions? You have a little bit of time. Oh, we, you're done. Oh, but question. Oh, oh, buzzer beater. Question. Yeah. Anybody have a question? Questions. Oh. Hi. Uh, so I guess to get specific, do you have any examples of how go-to-market organizations have brought in generative AI in a successful way yet? Yeah. Wait, which organization? Just general. Oh, general. Go-to-market generally. Yeah. So generative AI. So one is, I think, um, there's the one that's obvious that's happening right now, but like, I don't, I look at an SDR and a sales, if your first iteration of whatever it is you're going to write or send isn't from uh, generative AI, like, what are you doing? It's easier. So that one I think is table stakes. I heard a, there's some cool ones that I like, for example, where we're capturing information out of like the one I heard the other day was capturing information out of Zendesk, right? And then, um, you know, pulling it over, having Gen AI write a summary for the sales rep and have that right in front of them. That's the kind of, I mean, the, see right there, that's a better experience than what they're doing today. I know that Mark talked about somebody's doing with the, but like that one's real, like people are doing that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really light. That's what I was talking about. Like, I'm starting to see this really cool stuff happening on the infrastructure side, which is like. Well, it's not really, it's a seller experience, but it's digging into what's happening, you know, what's out there and trying to make it so the sales reps don't have to do it. The, the, the other one, I'll just give you like the simplest one, which I still think is the best one, is literally the post-meeting follow-up email. Because God dang it, I don't understand why sales reps don't do it. They should add a queued up right after. The best ones do. For the love of God, why aren't you doing it? But I love that Gen AI will just gin the thing up for you, tell you to go do it and go. So that those are practical. Right. One is, is there information in the, or, you know, in the operational ecosystem that I can grab for them and summarize it for? Because the other thing, remember, when we were grabbing stuff, we were giving them back 
data that still wasn't readable to them. So now we can start to do that using Gen AI. So that's three for you right there. Yeah, a uh, couple just I'll add on top, I think kind of similar. So like you see a little bit more on the chatbot side, you're seeing a lot more of those starting to pop up. I mean, the notion of chatbots was like, it's been around for a while. I feel like that's been an underserved promise or overserved promise, whatever you want to call it. So I'm starting to see some improvements there. I also, I mean, you know, I feel like I spent a decade talking about Prospect 360 and Customer 360. What does that all really mean? It was, what it meant to me as an operator is I just give you a one, page that had like 50 different KPIs on it. And we said, oh, you got your customer 360. It doesn't mean anything. But imagine if you're like now starting to synthesize all of that together and actually have these models kind of come back to you and tell you what it actually means, so to speak. A little bit of what you were referencing too. Like I see those things starting to become a little bit more meaningful as well. So it is, to me, it's another layer of synthesis on top of the like just the show up and throw up of data that we're all used to. Um, so I'm seeing a little bit of that as well. But I think it's a lot of the cases that Craig mentioned too. Yeah, it's hard to have some le less risky plays that you can run right now. And those are all stuff that are not risky. Perfect. Well, thank you all. Hopefully we can continue the conversation in the hallways and in the brooms. So I think we're all just learning from each other. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. The Opstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.